You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Borden on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, this hour of Sportsnet Today coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Flames off on Monday. They were on the practice ice, getting set for a one-game homestand Tuesday night against the Nashville Predators. They ended their six-game losing streak on Saturday with a win over the Seattle Kraken. News from today's practice, Adam Ruzichka back practicing with the main group. That was good news. Of course, Andrew Mangiapane skating as an extra today. He said to serve his one-game suspension for cross-checking Jared McCann on Tuesday's game against Nashville. We'll have more Flames reaction throughout the afternoon. But if you're looking to watch some hockey tonight, Sportsnet's got a doubleheader of action starting at 5 o'clock. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Leafs, one of a number of Canadian teams struggling to start the year. And uh, right now, as we kick off this hour, we go on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Chat a couple different NHL topics, including what's been a bit of a rocky start to the season for the Maple Leafs. We welcome in Josh Clipperton this afternoon, writer for the Canadian Post, uh, National Hockey League writer for the Canadian Press, excuse me. Uh, Josh, thanks for doing this today. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, Logan. Well, appreciate it. Uh, look, we're dealing with uh, our own issues with the team here in Calgary, but uh, uh, as always, different stories across the NHL starting the year. Uh, the Maple Leafs, one of them, they're 5-4-2 and two, heading into action tonight. And uh, look, not going to lie, there's a connection here in Calgary with the Brad Treliving uh, successor heading to you know the right here in Calgary and Brad taking over in Toronto. So there's always that keen eye here in Calgary checking what's going on in Toronto and uh, you always hear the noise when things aren't going well in Toronto. What do you make of this start for the Maple Leafs? It sounds like there's a lot of blame being placed on uh, some of the new guys in Toronto who haven't yet lived up to expectations. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's been, uh, a, I wouldn't say a rocky start, but an uneven sort of, you know, uneasy start, I, I would say, for, for this group. And, and you're right, just at the top of the list, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, John Klingberg, and to a lesser extent, Ryan Reeves, although we knew that he wasn't going to be, or his role was very specific. But yeah, it just hasn't hasn't worked so far. We're, we're uh, kind of into the season now, and, and Bertuzzi has zero goals uh, at even strength. One point at even strength, pardon me. Max Domi hasn't scored yet. Klingberg has looked okay going forward, but but not great whenever the puck's not on his stick. And of course, Ryan Reeves on the fourth line has, has presented its own challenges for just how the Leafs have deployed in the past. So yeah, edgy, especially edgy uh, after the Boston game. I was at the morning skate, uh, you know, the other day when, you know, Keith talked about the, the lack of pushback and, and the lack of, um, you know, response uh, to the lilligren Marshawn trip incident to the boards, which obviously got a lot of play. So yeah, it's, it's an uneasy, unsettling time. It's a big game tonight for them. You know, they, they've got four games this week. Flames are here on, on Friday, as you know, connect mm-hmm. on Saturday. The Sens are here on Wednesday. And, you know, there's some desperate teams coming to this building, and, and uh, the Leafs are going to have to be equally or more desperate. What was your view on the, the Marshan incident? Were you as taken back by the lack of response as, say, Sheldon Keefe was, or was that much ado about nothing in your mind? I was I was surprised as the game wore on. This was a, this happened in the first period, right? They had two intermissions to talk about it. They had uh, you know <laughs> then they had the day off and they talked about it again the following 
uh, Saturday morning. I mean, I don't, I don't think you need to be chasing him around the ice. Marshawn, I'm talking about, I don't think you need to have a staged fight. But, I mean, this goes back many years, including last year in the playoffs, when Sam Bennett mugged Matthew Nyes and, and nothing happened. Like nothing, <laughs> they didn't do anything about it. Yeah. And, and, and there's, a, there's a perception, and it, you know, it's still a contact sport. I know the game has changed, but there's still, was, we were at the morning skate today with the, with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and, and John Cooper said flat out, like intimidation still exists in this sport as much as it's changed. So um, it's, it's a, it was a lot, of, a lot of Groundhog Day this week, or this past weekend with, with the Leafs and, and talking about toughness. But you know, as it's been said repeatedly, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem to be in their DNA, whether it's the leaders or, uh, and, or the, the the captain, um, you know, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, it's not in their DNA. Whereas, like, a team like Tampa, like, when, when there's something bad that happens, like Stamkos, Kucherov, those guys are in there. And for whatever reason, they just haven't been able to get over that hump. And I know that, that Tree came in and tried to change change things, and it's been 11 games, but we haven't we haven't seen it yet. And, uh, no, it was it was disappointing for from a fan's perspective to see the, the pushback and then, and then not really show up uh, over the weekend as well. Uh, another aspect of this Leafs team that a lot of people have, have talked about early on, I know it's it's game six, I want to say, in the year, maybe uh, game seven for Ilya Samsonov, but does it not feel like this is a big spot for him to try to maintain that number one or 1A spot in Toronto with how well Joseph Wall's been to start the season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's definitely on, on the hot seat of, of his own making in a lot of ways. I mean, he, he's he's come in and not looked great. Uh, and, uh, you know, his quotes are not encouraging either. He's been down on himself. Uh, there's, there's a big moment here for him, too. He's, uh, you know, he basically won them that series last year in the playoffs against Vasilevsky. He went toe-to-toe with his Russian countrymen, and, uh, and it was, uh, you know, he came out on top, and, and it just hasn't, hasn't worked this year. And, and, of course, Joseph Wall is breathing down his, his neck. He is the goalie of the future here, which just depends uh, how soon that future is. But he's looked good. I mean, you know, they haven't played great defensively, um, but but Wall's been there, and he's clearly been the better of the two goalies so far. Uh, sticking in Ontario, uh, I thought it was all off the ice that uh, news would come from the Ottawa Senators. Uh, of course, they had the, the draft pick uh, compensation taken away from them because of the uh, Evgeny Dadanoff situation. We had those great quotes from Michael Anlauer at the press conference, and now uh, we've got Brady Kachuk versus the fans in Ottawa. Um, look, DJ Smith hasn't exactly broken through any ceilings in Ottawa and it feels like this is a team that needs to go from being a young team and learning about the NHL to taking that next step uh you think it's fair for Ottawa fans to be frustrated with the current state of their team I think it's fair fans are fans pay the money to be in the building they can be as frustrated or or less frustrated or if that makes sense as as they want um I I was jealous of my media colleagues at that Landauer that Landauer uh press conference (laughs) the other the other week it was it was absolute appointment viewing I was I was very jealous to not be in the room for that one because I had a question or two as well but no it's 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 true it's been a long time they haven't made the playoffs since 2017 there's obviously been a lot going on with that franchise a lot of hope in the last you know year with with the sale and, you know, getting a lot of guys assigned long-term. Um, and the one thing that hasn't changed is the coach. And I, I think it's unfair to, to lay it all at DJ Smith's feet. I mean, he's, he just dealt uh, a short stack for a lot of his tenure with, with, you know, salary cap and, and young players. Um, but I mean, this is, this is a, a results league and, you know, Steve Steos did put his, his backing behind DJ Smith in that press conference, but you know, it's a new owner. Um, there's a lot of emotion in that city right now. You, you know, obviously Brady Kachuk happy back with the fans. He's a, he's just a, a hockey guy. Like he's, he's defending his coach. And I, I do think the team is, hasn't give up on, given up on DJ Smith uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but 
you know, it's a result-based league, like I said, and, and they're, they're, uh, they're, they're last in the division. Like that, you are who you are. They're last in the division. They're coming to Toronto here on Wednesday night. Um, they need to start picking up wins. And, you know, it's the easiest thing to do to, would be to change the coach. I don't think it's going to happen right away. But, you know, the clock is ticking if things don't turn around. Yeah, and, I get, you know, Josh, you've been around this long enough to know, as, as most of us who have been in this industry, when a new GM comes in and it's not his guy at, at head coach, those relationships generally just don't last that long. Yeah, exactly right. And, and I mean, you can point to, to Toronto here right now. I mean, like there, there was talk that, you know, Sheldon didn't have a contract until I think it was late August. And, you know, and DJ Smith, you know, he's, he's not Steve Steos' guy. Steve Steos is now the, the interim general manager, along with being the president. Um, so I think, the, I do think there's been so much turnover in Ottawa. It would be another thing to throw at these players. If you're, if you're, you have basically have to balance like can you get the coach bump that that happens with the midseason change and is it enough to get you into the playoffs versus more turmoil of what a coaching change would mean so i'm sure that they want to try to play this out but you know if the losses keep piling up like like i said it's it, it, it's just not looking good for that coach and he's had he's been around for you know this is, i think it's his fifth or sixth season in the, in the nation's capital and like i said there has been some some things that have worked against him but but the time is now this is this is a, a young core and you know the clock ticks you know, you, have, you have a young core but you don't have them for forever, and and this is year six for Brady Kachuk. You know he hasn't been in the playoffs yet. You can sense the frustration, and I'm sure the frustration is 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 out throughout the fan base too, as as we heard. And you know management and ownership will be aware of that. Uh, Josh, I want to circle back a bit. We we talked a bit about the Bruins and the Maple Leafs from last week, mostly about that that Marshawn incident with Lilligren, but. Uh, from your perspective, the Bruins nine one and one to start the year. They've got a great matchup tonight. Uh, they're in Dallas. They take on the seven two and one Stars. Has there been a bigger surprise in a positive way than the start that the Bruins got off of after losing two key guys and especially Patrice Bergeron down the middle that they're able to to get off to such a uh, another historic start after they broke a lot of records last year. Yeah, it's wild what they can do. I mean, I, I would I would lump the Anaheim start and obviously Vegas' start as well, but but Boston's you know at the top of the list in terms of what they've done to start start this season. I mean, it, it's wild what they can do. I, I was you know, you're watching the Leafs uh, Bruins game the other the other night in in Boston, and you know they got a rookie defenseman on the ice in in, in overtime. Right, he's playing his NHL debut. Like like they just pump keep pumping out that pipeline between Providence and Boston. They're they're able to to just replace guys. And yes, I mean, I think we all expected a, uh, you know, a step back when you lose your number one and number two centers, but, but that team just, just finds a way. And, you know, they've got incredible goaltending with that tandem. Um, Montgomery's got the guys there playing again and, and they just keep rolling. I, I mean, I talked to Charlie McAvoy at the NHL media thing in Vegas before the season. And, you know, he was really emotional about, about losing Bergeron, but you know, obviously McAvoy's out for that with the suspension. But but the team just hasn't missed a beat. And it, it's incredibly impressive how they how they just always sort of find a way. And you know, they're they're one of the stories of the, of the league so far for sure. Yeah, it's just been one of those ones where I, I just you looked there and I went, I don't know how you lose those two guys. I don't know how you lose a Krejci and a Bergeron. You mentioned, I mean, go back to them in their last game against Florida in the postseason last year, and the disappointment on all their faces, the hugs for Bergeron, and he hadn't said it was over, but you get a pretty good feeling when that's the the kind of send off that he gets that this was going to be the end and all we could talk about was how good he was what a deal it was a hometown discount for the Bruins to have this guy and I mean Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle didn't strike me as the immediate replacements for this guy but they just you mentioned it they bring in guys they get guys to fit the system and I mean Jim Montgomery in my mind gets a ton of credit for what he's built there. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think it speaks to the culture of that of that team. There's just an expectation that 
that started with, I mean, with, as soon as Chara was was in there, um, you know, the the inclusivity, like the, the the no rookies kind of. There's no there's no cliques. You always hear about how tight that room is. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it went down from Bergeron, you know, they had Felino there. They're, they're just guys that just set the tone. And even though those guys aren't there anymore, they set the tone with, with Marshawn. And, and as much as Mar- Brad Marshawn is still Brad Marshawn, like you compare him to who, who he was five, six, seven years ago, he's, he's a much calmer leader. He's the captain of that team now. And, you know, the guy, it, it's just sort of trickled down through the, through the, uh, through the years of, of how that locker room culture has been established. It's, it's just very impressive. Uh, like they can say, like, they they just keep going like they it's like they've got this this unending pipeline of talent that they just plug in and you sort of just once you turn on put on those Bruin colors you just you just you know get an extra boost. Uh, we're taking a spin around some of the big stories across the NHL with national hockey writer for the Canadian Press Josh Clipperton joining us this afternoon on Sportsnet today. Uh, Josh, I saw on your uh, your Twitter timeline uh, you've retweeted one of the many fun stats that have come out of San Jose this year. Uh, on just what a brutal start uh, it's been for them. Back-to-back losses where they've given up 10 goals. Uh, They did it against Vancouver. They followed it up with a game uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I don't know how much of them you've seen being out east or if it's just been more clips or whatnot, but, I mean, just the stats that are coming out of this horrific start for the winless Sharks, it's something, it's like a car crash. You have to watch or keep an eye on it because it's just been so disastrous. Yeah, I watched a lot of the Vancouver game, the the, the first ten goal loss that they had, or the, yeah. 10, the game, the game, the game, the first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's it's tough, and and you know, I don't think that they they envisioned this. I mean, I think they knew they were going to be bad, um, but you you got to feel for a guy like like David Quinn. Um, you know, the, the roster's just not good. I'm sure that there are lots of things that they would like to do. There. Um, I mean, I grew up in Ottawa. Like, I grew up through some tough times. You know, the '92, '93 cents were brutal, obviously, but. Uh, you know, this is this feels like a different animal when it, when an established team is 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 this is this bad. Um, you know, they they have light at the end of the tunnel if they can win the draft lottery. But I mean, that's we're still seventy games in the season, right? Like, so it's it's just a tough a tough pill to swallow for an organization that's been proud and and was right there for a long time and just couldn't ever quite get over the hump with you know with Marlowe and Burns and Pavelski and and uh, Couture. Like that, that was just uh, and Thornton, of course, um, Joe Thornton. There, there's just like such a a, a good history there and a strong history of a team that just couldn't quite do it, but just so many great teams. And, you know, there was, uh, you know, it's been tough to watch. Like, you know, you don't want to see teams lose like that. It's, it's not good for the league. It's not good for anybody. Um, you hope that they can at least settle the ship and, and just be, at least be competitive because like you say, it, it is a bit of a car crash right now. And, um, you know, you got to wonder what that owner is that's, that's, you know, largely stays in the background but this this can't be sitting be sitting well with with uh with him or management right now what, this is a conversation i've had with a couple of the, the media members here in calgary josh but i wonder what's going through a guy like tomas hurdle's mind right now who, who signed that mega extension right, with right, them yeah. and you know look i i appreciate not tearing it down to the to the very bottom boards of anything and you want to try to remain and give your coach some options but i mean I don't know what that guy's thinking right now because, like you said, it's it's going to be tough most nights for this team to pick up a win. And as much as they probably appreciate him sticking through it, at this point, isn't the assets you could get for a Tomas Hurdle probably more valuable to the club going forward than his actual presence there? Yeah, you could say that. I mean, for sure. I mean, he's got a – just look up his numbers. He's at eight, 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 almost $8.2 million through 2030. So that's that's a long time. Um, he's obviously a good player. Maybe it'd be tough to make a trade at this time, I think, uh, for anybody. But you know, when the cap goes up next year, maybe 
maybe that's the thing. I, I mean, when he signed that extension, I don't think anybody knew that this was going to be this bad in in uh, in in, in uh, San Jose. I'm sure he didn't know. I'm sure management didn't know. I'm sure uh, his agent didn't know that it was going to look like this uh, a couple of years down the. Or it's not even a couple of years; it's just like immediately down the line how, yeah. how bad it's gotten. Um, so yeah, you got to wonder what, what he's thinking. Um, it's tough. Like it's it's just a tough situation for a team that that kind of tried to do the retool and it just hasn't hasn't worked. You know, there's been a few things that have worked against them. They they you know a lot of injuries a lot in recent years. Um, you know, they're, they're still professional players and, and they're going to keep giving the, the effort, but you, you do, I, I agree. Like, like a guy like hurdle, like that's a long time to be, you know, on a really bad team in the prime of your career. So it will be interesting to, to watch uh, how that sort of plays out in, you know, whether it's this year or in the summer or, or years, you know, years, the coming years, because the sharks are, are going to be bad for, for, a, for a long time. I think. Uh, before I let you go, Josh, uh, thoughts on uh, what you're seeing out West here uh, in Calgary and Edmonton, where, uh, the province of Alberta has not gotten off to a, a shining start to this season. Yeah, no, I was impressed with how Calgary uh, played in Seattle the other night. I, I caught the end of that one uh, after getting home from uh, from the Leafs uh, or from the Leafs game uh, here. So that that was that was a, a positive for them. Um, yeah, it, it's you wonder about that roster though too. It's an older roster. Uh, where where does it go? I know there's a lot of sort of there's a lot of contract talk with some of the, some of the veterans and, and what happens. So it'll be interesting to watch. What happens there? Of course, you know, new GM, new coach. They're still trying to trying to find their way. And Edmonton, I mean, that that's that's a problem for sure. I mean, they, we talk about the goaltending, but I, I, it's not just the goaltending out there. They they need saves, but they also just need to flat out play better. Um, you know, Woodcroft has has got them to what five playoff series in the last two years, but you have to wonder where they're with the temperatures being turned up there a little bit. I mean, I, I have to imagine that they're that they're there are at least some conversations happening about about what to do because you know that's you only have what, two more years of McDavid after this, one year, more year of Dreisaitl after this. It's, yeah. uh, you know, you have to show these guys that they're, that they're, that they're heading in the right direction. And, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a really surprising start for, for both teams. I, I would say Edmonton, obviously more so. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I thought that the, the winter classic might've been in Edmonton sort of starting to turn the, sort of starting to turn the, you know, turn the corner a little bit. I think a lot of us in the media maybe thought that, but yeah, no, like like seeing the Nashville game the other night was was not good, and you know things are a little brighter down in Calgary, I guess, where you guys are after uh, the weekend. But yeah, it's uh, very surprising to see both uh, both those teams so where they are in the standings. Uh, Josh, I really appreciate the time today, man. If anybody's looking for uh, where they can grab your work, what's the best place for them to check you out? Yeah, I'm always on Twitter, uh, J Clipperton. That's just the letter J Clipperton underscore CP on X. I guess X now, not on Twitter. But yeah, the Wolves goes all over the place. So uh, check it out. We're uh, we're always uh, do a weekly notebook on Wednesdays, so it's always uh, fun to just uh, do a ring around the league. Uh, fun chat, man. Really appreciate the time. Hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. Take care. Thank you. Josh Clipperton joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, taking a spin around some of the biggest stories in the NHL on this Monday. Again, you can find him on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it these days uh, for his best stuff. He's also, of course, a national hockey writer for the Canadian press. This is Sportsnet Today. Uh, Logan Gordon along with you. Calgary Flames practice uh, today on Monday, getting set for a matchup with the Nashville Predators on Tuesday. Just a quick one-game homestand for the Flames before they head out east. Your Josh mentioned, of course, they got to stop in Toronto on Friday night. Early on in the program, we heard from Ryan Huska following that big win on Saturday for his club. Uh, let's hear again from another member of the Calgary Flames. Let's hear from Connor Zary. Now two games into his NHL career, he picked up an assist on Saturday. So two points in two games for the Calgary Flames forward. 
Uh, let's hear how he's feeling following his first NHL win on Saturday with the Flames against Seattle. Through your uh, first few games in the NHL, how comfortable have you been feeling? Yeah, no, I've, I feel good. I think, like I talked about the, the first period, there's a lot of nerves and a lot of excitement. And I think uh, over the last five periods or so, I've been able to settle in, I think, find my game a little bit and kind of do what I need to do and, and keep building on, on that. And, and then little things here and there to, to kind of learn from and, and pick up from that, that I can move into the next day. You've already gotten power play time as, as well. I'm just curious how comfortable you've been with the concepts that this team has been putting together. Yeah, I, I feel good. I think being on the power play, I think on, on any team is always a privilege. So I think every time you get a chance to be out there, you, you want to make the best out of it and make the most out of it and and uh, try and help the team build a positive momentum. So I think I've always felt comfortable in, in a situation on the power play. But like I said, it's, it's a privilege to be out there. So I think just every time I can uh, get a chance to, to be out there on the power play on the man advantage is, is awesome. It feels like you and uh, Nazem have, have got a pretty instant click. What, what's it been like playing with him? Yeah, it's it's awesome. I I, t- I touched on it a bit uh, after my first game, just playing with a guy of, of his pedigree. I think it's easy to just try and try and read off him, and, and he's been been playing at a high level for a long time. So I think anything I can kind of pick up from him and, and see what he's doing, and and especially in the offensive zone, he's such a talented player, and and just see these little things when he has the puck, when he doesn't have the puck, where he is. I think it's uh, it's been nice. So I think. Like I said, it's easy when you play with a guy like that. I was talking to Sharon Govich last week, and he said there's a guy who on the bench. It's like the second he gets to the bench, he's talking, like helping you out yeah. for the next shift. Is that is that your experience as well? Yeah, 100%. I think it's just the little things. Uh, it's, it's not even really... Uh, a whole big concept or anything it's just little chips or little touches or or where he thinks he sees openings in the game so I think just little things like that like I said before just helps helps a young guy along any anytime someone can come along whether that's a a player an older guy a, a coach that can little tip or if you make a mistake they're right there to kind of help you fix things and and look to see what they see is is helpful it's been a long time since two guys scored in their debuts in the league let alone uh, here but uh, maybe just can you speak to First of all, the excitement for you, but the guys, the way the guys have sort of embraced that in this room? Yeah, it's awesome. I think um, for me and Posby, it's, it's been special, both being able to play our first NHL games kind of back-to-back, and, and I think that's always a cool moment. And I think for the guys to kind of see that, they everyone's been in that position, and, and uh, everyone kind of starts to remember what it's like for, for us young guys to, to kind of get that opportunity. So I think it's hard not to, to get a smile on your face when you see another young guy kind of get his first opportunity in first school. Does it kind of also kind of maybe speak to the way that you guys have prepared here, you know, in the American Hockey League too, and, and the things you're doing, the habits to be ready when you get that chance? Yeah, 100%. I know... Personally, I've, I've been down there a few years and, and kind of working on my game, trying to develop and, and possibly the same, just those little things you learn down in the, in the American League and in the professional game that kind of prepares you as you get up here to be more comfortable when you step right in. Connor Eric flames forward following his first two NHL games. Sure looks comfortable to me. He's uh, stayed on this spot with Nazem Kadri and Yegor Sharon Govich at practice on Monday. Expect that line to stay together when the Flames take on the Predators Tuesday night. We'll take a break. We're going to come back on the other side, put a finishing touch on the Calgary Stampeders season, back-to-back seasons where their uh, playoff hopes have ended in BC with a Western semifinal loss to the Lions. But this year felt a little bit different as they headed into the postseason with that 6-12 and record. We're going to talk all things Stampeders ahead of their offseason with Matty Rose. He's next on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The East and West finals are set in the CFL postseason. Doubleheader Saturday sees the Montreal Alouettes in Toronto to take on the Argos. 
Well, the BC Lions and Winnipeg Blue Bombers meet in the West Final for a 4-30 kickoff. Of course, BC earning their way there with a 41-30 victory over the Calgary Stampeders Saturday afternoon from BC Place. And just like last season for the Calgary Stampeders, their playoff hopes snuffed out by the Lions in the West semifinal. Help us chat all things Calgary Stampeders as the season comes to a close for Dave Dickinson and company. Very happy to welcome in from the big show with Russick and Rose. And of course, one of our outstanding Stampeders reporters here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, it's our pal, Matty Rose. What's up, Matty? Hey, doing good. How are you guys? We're doing good, pal. Uh, tough end for the Calgary Stampeders. 41-30 the final, as I mentioned on Saturday. Uh, got off to a good start. Touchdown drive to start at just three plays. And Jake Mayer found uh, Mark and Michelle for a touchdown early on, but uh, they weren't able to continue that sort of uh, offensive momentum, and they fell to the Lions on Saturday. What did you see uh, in the Stampeders' loss to BC? Well, I saw Vernon Adams Jr. looking incredible. That was probably the the most notable thing for me was he was able to pick apart that defense. You know, with some of the injuries to their defensive line over the course of the season. They opted to go for more of a 3-4 style, and for a lot of the game, they were only rushing with three defensive linemen, and that was affording Vernon Adams Jr. a a ton of time to look downfield, and that's not necessarily a good matchup downfield with all those skilled receivers and the Stampeders having extra linebackers on the field. So uh, the Lions were able to attack with their pass game way better than they were in that Week 20 matchup with the Stampeders, and the offense just wasn't able to keep up. We've seen them be able to score touchdowns at times this year. They had some opportunities. 30 points for this Stamps team, this iteration in the playoffs. That's pretty good. Um, they they obviously would have wanted to have had a couple more touchdowns on some instances they settled for field goals. But in the end, just felt like they couldn't keep up to that high-powered Lions offense. And, and they were able to show out with uh, the Stamps just not able to keep up on defense. Were you surprised uh, the running game wasn't as much of a focus for the Calgary Stampeders as maybe it was uh, in earlier matchups against the Lions? Uh, Not necessarily. The thing is that this is a team that, especially if the run game isn't effective to them early on, they usually get away from it pretty quickly. Um, So understanding that as a trend for this team, I I wasn't overly surprised. I would have liked to see a little bit more Kadeem Carey because I really do feel like he was the guy that, they really stirred the drink for this offense. But um, if you're not getting the push from your offensive line and you're not able to kind of tee off, like got to give a, a shout out to Woods on the other side of the ball there for the Lions. He was outstanding getting sideline to sideline and stopping both the run and the pass. So got to give him some props too. The Lions played really well on defense and, and just made it that much harder to run the ball for the Stampeders. They had to move away from it. And like I said, you're trying to keep up with this Lions offense with the way Vernon Adams is playing. If I, I'm sure on those sidelines that they were all realizing that the defense is going to have a pretty tough time trying to contain him. So all of a sudden you're trying to pass the ball, you're trying to move it downfield, but that Lions receiving group just outmatched this Stampeders receiver group, especially with the injuries they've dealt with all season long and just too much to overcome for the Stampeders. But I, w- I wasn't overly surprised because they've they've gone away from the run before, but it's one of those things that you kind of have to get out to an early lead and hold the early lead to be able to pound the rock. For the Calgary Stampeders, Matty, so much you know pressure, obviously, on Jake Mayer heading into this game. Uh, another chance for him to take down the Lions in a playoff game. 
Um, he's the only quarterback that played all the games for his uh, team this season. Uh, finished with some good numbers, but obviously the team results not where he wanted it to be. What did you make of Jake Mayer and this performance against BC? I thought it was solid. I didn't love the interception that he threw early on um, with Reggie kind of in double coverage there. You know, Reggie did talk about that one after the game and said, yeah, he has to be better on that and and be able to make a play to the inside there. But I I just thought that that was one of the balls that Jake Mayer kind of forced into a spot where he was trying to get to his best receiver. And he didn't do that for the last couple of games where they were able to get wins. He wasn't forcing the ball in. And and that first turnover, I thought, really kind of changed the momentum a little bit for um, both clubs. The Lions were able to go out and score after that. So, um, I, I thought that was definitely a, a, a noticeable thing for him. But overall, I didn't mind his game. I thought he was pretty accurate for the most part. But when the run game isn't giving you what you kind of want from it, that 150, 200 yards combined between Kadeem Carey and Peyton Logan, hey, it's pretty tough, especially when your receivers aren't necessarily uh, at the uh, healthy level that you would like them to be. So Stampeders season comes to an end on Saturday. We've uh, got some end-of-the-year media availabilities already, Maddie. We heard from, from Dave Dickinson. We heard from a couple veteran Stampeders players as well. What was your biggest takeaway hearing from, from Dave as the season came to an end and he reflected back on the, the season as a whole? Well, I think that one of the things for me was Dave said that we have to go out and get more playmakers. Um, now he did talk about some of those guys being on the interior, but it does sound like something that the Stampeders are, are looking at, especially with that receiver group. Like you look at the BC, uh, group of receivers, like lucky whiteheads, essentially their four guy right now. And that that's not something the Stampeders can boast. Now, that being said, you go ahead and you look at that list of players at three down published today of the, uh, pending free agents for the Stampeders. And you'll notice that Reggie Bagleton, Mark and Michelle, and Malik Henry all are not on it, as well as obviously some of their younger receivers, Rice and John and Cole Tucker, um, uh, Jalen Philpot and uh, Clark Barnes, who had really good years but were hurt. Or Philpot didn't play because he was hurt, but um, a very highly touted receiver. Well, what my point here is that if you get healthy with this receiver group, I think you really like the way things start to lay out. Trey Odoms Duke still signed for next season as well. So there you've got four Americans, you've got four Canadians. Maybe it is time to turn the page on a Colton Hunchak or a Luther Hakuna Vanu, even though they've been great players. And I think that the coaching staff does like having them around for sure. Tyson Middlemost, another guy, especially on special teams that shows out really well is some Canadian receivers, but that's kind of the one interesting thing um, for me that really stood out. Um, I'm also fascinated to see what they do with their offensive tackle positions. You know, you look at the offensive line, pretty much everybody from Sean McEwen to the right are free agents. So Sean McEwen, Ryan Sevier, Bryce Bell, or whoever else played tackle for this team. You're going to have Zach Williams back on your left guard. You will probably have Deontay Demery back as he signed. So it made sense why they were really playing him at left tackle as the season wore on, trying to make sure that that's a guy they can play next year too. But my biggest question is what happens with this offensive line? What happens for the skill position? All three of their running backs are free agents. I don't see a way that they're able to retain all three. Do you really want to sign Kadeem Carey? Um, I, I would because I think he is one of the top running backs in this league when healthy. But that also means that he 
asks for top dollar. And this year he wasn't healthy. And the year prior he wasn't totally healthy. So that's a gamble that Dave Dickinson's going to have to weigh. But a lot of the questions for me resound around how are you going to address the skill position and get this offense better? Because we saw that Brent Monson's defense can plug and play some guys. There were some significant changes last offseason, and I really thought the defense held up on its own. So the biggest questions for me are how is this offense going to change going into next year? Jake Mayer will still be, be here. That's going to be a constant. What's going to change around him? Yeah, let's let's dive into that a bit because I'm sure you've heard it. I, I saw it around plenty of people on Twitter talking about Jake Mayer. And look, I don't think I'm with you. I don't think Jake Mayer is going anywhere. I think the Stampeders have faith in him and I think paid him accordingly when they made the decision to go to him over Bo Levi Mitchell for the future. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this team brought in uh, another more, say, seasoned quarterback to to push Jake and maybe help Jake a bit when it comes to you know, how he sees the game on a day-to-day basis. I don't know how you feel. I think I know, but I don't – would you expect any road where the Stampeders explore moving on from Jake Mayer or making a massive change at the quarterback spot? I don't know. It, it, it's hard for me to see. I think this is probably going to be Jake Mayer's team, and he's going to get another honest shot next year. You know, like we talked about, the tackle positions were never solid for this team, and I don't know if it's – necessarily fair he took a couple of big hits early on in the season and felt like maybe his accuracy dipped a little bit I thought he was really accurate as the end of the season went on he's never going to be mobile but that is something that he constantly does work at in the offseason trying to address his kind of athletic abilities I guess to try and make himself more of a not necessarily a straight up danger with the running game but just able to run more um, when he needs to so that would be something that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. Um, the other two young players that they had, Chris Reynolds and Logan Bonner, they're both signed. So the expectation would be that they'll both at least come to camp next year. The thing is that Jake Mayer has the partially guaranteed contract. So unless another team wants him to be their guy uh, and they want to trade for him, I don't know where else you're going to put Jake Mayer. Now, Tommy Stevens is not signed for next year, but Tommy Stevens is also about as automatic of a third and one that you can find in the league. In fact, the Stampeders on short yardage had a better conversion rate than the brotherly shove does with the Philadelphia Eagles. So Hmm. that's something that you want to have on your team. Um, The only problem is he's not necessarily someone that they look at to run the offense, and then all of a sudden you're not really challenging Jake Mayer with a veteran. It's just more of the same so that's the, it's, it's a big question for me I don't know if I necessarily expect a, a big name veteran to come in but I could see them maybe getting somebody to just try and push him a little bit more rather than have him as a veteran for guys like Chris Reynolds and Logan Bonner uh, one big uh, name uh, that's coming back for another season we were wondering maybe if this was the last go around for Renee Paredes but uh, his media availability at the end of the season Maddie, he said he's coming back for another go at it, what uh, what was Renee talking about when he uh, sort of discussed his reasoning for coming back and how important is that for the Stampeders going forward? Yeah, well, I, I think that Renee was just talking about how it, it, it means a lot to him, like, and he still feels like he can compete, and I think that's just the biggest thing with Renee is he feels like he can still go out there and still do the job, so why not keep going out there and keep doing the job? So. That's, that's essentially it. You know, he injured his shoulder in that Saskatchewan game, trying to make a tackle on special teams, or uh, pardon me, getting blocked on special teams, just kind of got chipped. 
and uh, he needs to go for shoulder surgery here in the next, he said he's going to talk to the surgeon in the next week or so and try and figure out a plan for that. But yeah, Renee wants to be back. Uh, he obviously, you know, he, he was dynamic this year. He was the second most points scored by a kicker to Sean White in BC and Sean White had an amazing year. So yeah, I, if, if he wants to come back and the Sam Peters can find a price that they think is fair, why wouldn't you bring him back? You obviously don't want him to count too much against the cap because at a certain point it's, it's, it's time to, you know, allocate those resources elsewhere. But at the same time, if he wants to come back and you like the dollar number, why wouldn't you? He's going to be a Hall of Famer, and he showed this year that he can still go out and boot it with the best of them. So that's kind of the way that things are with uh, Renee and the team right now. Needs surgery. We'll see if he's ready for training camp. But if not, uh, I'm sure they'll just go out and uh, find some global or some Canadian to fill his spot until he's ready to return to the team. But, yeah, got to get the contract sorted. But that's uh, where things stand with Renee. Uh, and a longtime member of the Calgary Stampeders and a very important part of special teams uh, announced that this season was his last. What uh, what did you make of Charlie Power and, and his decision to, to hang up the cleats? Yeah, this is a, a guy who's, um, he kind of personifies what a Canadian plane in the CFL can be. Um, someone who works hard, takes care of their body, uh, is a great teammate, is willing to kind of do the dirty work that other people aren't necessarily willing to do. You can make a pretty good living in the CFL being a Canadian and doing that. And, you know, for a guy to tear his Achilles after the age of 30, battle all the way back and return to, you know, not be a starting fullback to be the backup to Will Longley and, and be a, a blocking specialist and a, and a special teamer, someone who just goes out and runs into people, tries to make one tackle and doesn't necessarily get all the accolades. That's not necessarily something that a lot of people would be eager to do. The Achilles recovery is one that, despite what we might see from Aaron Rodgers, is one that's particularly harrowing. So for him to be able to come back and do that, I thought that was great. Um, the recipient of the Jake Goddard Veterans Award for um, encapsulating those kind of characteristics of uh, our, our service men and women. And for him to win that in his final year, I thought that was really cool. And for him to be able to go out on his own terms, really cool. Um, if you go to Stan Peters' Twitter, you can see a little letter that special teams coordinator Mark Killam penned about Charlie Power. It's really cool. It's really touching. Um, and you, it kind of just tells how much uh, a guy that maybe not everybody knew his name, but he was there. He was there for a lot of it, and, and he was doing a pretty important role that not a lot of people talk about. Uh, Matty, Three Down Nation has the, the full list of free agents. You talked about some of them there as we head into the off season. Uh, fill in the general manager's chair for us as you look at this group, and uh, you've obviously spent so much time watching them. If you were to prioritize a, a name or two on that list that you think is going to be important for the Stampeders to bring back, where would you look to? Well, I'll start on offense, and I don't know if I'm going to prioritize Kadeem Carey, but what they end up doing with the running back position, just with how prominent it's been to this team's offense the last little bit, I'm interested to see what they do there, and can they bring back Sean McEwen and some of the other parts of that offensive line to really you know, have a little bit of uh, turnover, a little bit of uh, continuity as you go into next season. I think that would be big for the team. So that would be what I'm looking at on offense. Uh, on defense, Cam Judge is signed. Mike Alway is not. 
almost their entire defensive line is in signs. So the biggest guy there would certainly be Mike Rose. I think Mike Awe would like to return, um, depending on what the dollar amount is going to be there. Fascinating to see what they do with their secondary. Trey Roberson and Jonathan Moxie are both signed for next season, but I don't know what the role they want both those players in next year is, given just how certain how the secondary was during different parts of the season. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say the defensive line, Mike Rose in particular, Sean McEwen at the center position, and then what they do with the running back are probably the big keys for me as far as what Dave Dickinson does next. Uh, last but not least, man, we're wrapping up the season. Uh, how was it for you? We enjoyed the stamp supports as always, but uh, sucks it ends a little bit too early once again, eh? Yeah. Um, you know, it was weird uh, just being around the team this year in a season where they had this type of struggles. Um, obviously, the Stampeders haven't missed the playoffs in 18 years, so I haven't been covering the team for that long. But in my time covering them, they haven't missed the playoffs. They've never been sub-500. They've been dominant at home. That wasn't something that we saw this year. So, yeah, there were some things that were certainly weird to be around. Um, the team was really good through all of it. Like all of the guys were great with the media and uh, never were pouty or, or sour towards us. So that was solid. Um, but it's a big reckoning year for this team. And I'm fascinated to see how they come out of it, what changes they make, whether it be personnel, whether it be coaches. Like I've talked about a lot of these coordinators as guys that probably deserve looks for head coaching jobs, but now you're coming off a down year. So how does that change the look of things? So those would kind of be the questions going into the off season, but overall uh, I love getting out at McMahon and spending my time there at the summer and, and being around the players. I, I really do think that their stories are some of the better sports stories that we do have in this city. And um, yeah, it was good. I wish they were a little bit more appreciated, but uh, it's a tough gig and, it's not always easy to get people out to McMahon. So um, looking forward to seeing what this team does in the offseason and how they come back next year because you all, you know that a lot of the particulars in there, um, getting into the playoffs for an 18th straight year is fine, but I think that the four straight playoff runs without a playoff win is a streak that is more apparent to a lot of that front office and the ones they've got to try and fix. Uh, Matty, appreciate the time as always, pal. Uh, loved having these conversations with you. Uh, shout out to you and, and Patty Dumas getting out to the practices and bringing us and Azam and Azam, yes, uh, for uh, for coming out and, and providing us with audio and stamps reports uh, throughout the season. If we we didn't have a stamps report for whatever reason or it was a bye week, we always had people texting in asking about it. Uh, love what you guys do and uh, appreciate that you uh, you bring it to our listeners here, pal. Great job this season, hey. Hey, thanks, guys. Love this Canadian game, and uh, now we're just on to hockey puck of many different levels so yep looking forward to the winter nice profile picture on twitter pal hey thanks really yeah. grumpy yeah looks, looks like you're really yeah. happy to be there <laughs> really cold bye Matty. really cold <laughs> bye guys Matty rose uh from the big show with russick and rose here on sportsnet 960 the fan and uh yes one of our outstanding stampeders reporters who brought us stamps content all season long here on sportsnet today we'll continue to talk about the CFL as the West final and the East final happen this weekend. And of course, as we get closer to the Grey Cup in Hamilton, we'll still talk lots of CFL. We'll follow the Stampeders throughout the offseason and bring you any of the movement. I'm incredibly curious. This team has a long, long list 
of very valuable free agents. Uh, despite having a down season, you're not going to be able to keep them all. That's how the CFL works. But who is prioritized by this group? What direction do they take to try to right some of the wrongs this season? They kept the playoff streak intact despite not putting up their best performance. I, I think Dave Dickinson will be keen to try to get this group back on track and continue the playoff streak with a positive record this year rather than a 6-12 record and uh, fighting your way in the last couple games of the season. But the CFL offseason always full of movement and uh, it'll be exciting to watch the Stampeders, uh, how they navigate it throughout the next couple of months as we get uh, set for the last few weeks of a CFL season. Again, thank you to Maddie. Thank you to Patty Dumas-Zom uh, for everything they did this season. Really appreciate them bringing you guys the content that they did from McMahon Stadium uh, all season long. Those guys killed it, and uh, we loved having their uh, stamps reports here on Sportsnet today. Uh, that's putting a wrap on uh, Hour 2 of the program. It flew by today. Uh, thank you to our guest, Matty Rose, for joining us. Josh Clipperton joined us for a look around the NHL. He's uh, the national hockey writer for the Canadian Press. Emily Sadler joined us to talk some NFL, as she always does on Mondays. And we had, of course, lots of Flames conversation to start Hour 1. Heard from head coach Ryan Huska. How are they feeling about the youngsters? Adam Brzezicko was back at practice. We talked about the Andrew Mangiapane suspension. So if you missed any of the content from the show today, hit up uh, the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Uh, Sportsnet Today 960 is the place to go uh, and check us out on the podcast side of things. If you listened live or the podcast today, thank you. We really appreciate that. If you send us, us a text at 960-960, appreciate you as well. We will be back on a Tuesday game day, getting you set for the Flames and the Nashville Predators. Um, outstanding producers today have been Cam and Taylor still to come this afternoon. You got real Kipper and born coming up next Steinberg and Gilbertson on flames talk on this Monday afternoon. That's going to be your afternoon here on sportsnet 960, the fan.